Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Since 9-11 falls on Sunday this year, it's good to recall what happened at the turn of this century. 21 years ago puts us all at a different time in our lives. Some, yeah, might have been retired here, but most probably were at work and raising your families to some degree. I was in my second year at seminary and had gotten engaged over the summer. Of course, for some in their earlier adult years, 9 11 is around the time of your birth. And on this shocking day, when planes crashed and towers fell, people were left in a search and find mode. First responders, as you know, climbed countless stairs with smoke in stairwells to find whoever they could get. And so the YMCA here every year has a tradition of putting the stair climbers down from the weight room to feel what that was like to walk all those stairs. At the same time, cell phones, we still had them back then. We didn't have smartphones, but we had cell phones and stuff, and networks were overloaded as people tried to find friends and family. And we also know 911 emergency response was unable to keep up with the calls. It was an obsessive day, 9-11, to search and find. Jesus in our gospel reading speaks of God's obsessive desire to seek and save the lost. So there's two parables we hear today. And they're part of a trio from Luke chapter 15. And you're familiar with the third one, mostly. That's the prodigal son. Jesus was speaking to both. The Pharisees, who were grumbling over him, just as sinners and tax collectors, as it said, were drawing near to hear him. The first two parables emphasize characters of rescue. The third one, the father doesn't go out and chase the son down. That's a different emphasis. But these two parables have characters of rescue, a shepherd and a woman at home. And it kind of sounds fine to us when we read it, but you have to understand, we know that when Jesus told these parables to the Pharisees, it would have been very offensive. Shepherds were unclean and women beneath the stature of men, especially Pharisees. And yet the whole theme of seeking finding and returning define God's messianic mission. That's what God did throughout the whole Bible. It was a pattern of receiving and eating because the one found had repentance. Let us rejoice. God in Christ is zealous to seek the lost. So there's good news for you and anyone. And so the kinds of loss are many in this world. Jesus refers to losing a sheep and a coin. But the condition of being lost, he leaves pretty much wide open. How did it happen? Why did it happen? He doesn't tell us all that stuff. Some, as we know, are far off 
and being lost, false beliefs and religions, have, having never heard of the one true God and his promise of a savior for humanity. So missionaries go to the ends of the earth. Others, we notice, though, wander off about living in open sin and shame, lost to their own devices. And still others act outright against the gospel, as St. Paul fully admits today. I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent. The kinds of loss can be even among faithful families in a church by those who now deny what they were taught, disregard pastoral care, and renounce their confirmation vows. Going astray, though, is natural, since no one comes into this world a friend of God. While the Pharisee saw the idea of lost in very specific terms, and they weren't one of them, them themselves, Jesus could see how lost is our humanity, each of us, all sharing the same flesh that denies to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. We share in a lostness. I know it's not a word, but I'm making it up, so go with me. We share in that lostness, but this plays out differently in different ways, caused by sin, worldly temptations, and devilish deceptions. Being lost is even more than a one-time event that we would typically think about where God goes, finds a person, and they get converted. It's much more than that. But remains among the baptized, where we're both saint and we're also sinners. So we easily, easily go astray. The psalmist today praises the value of God's word, but ends his psalm by confessing, and we with him, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your command. None is so safe or secure with the gospel as if we do not need the godly shepherd Jesus Christ to visit, sustain, and carry us by his grace through this life. So the kind of seeking, as we know then, belongs to one. Nobody sees the need like Jesus, since he is the only begotten son sent from the Father. I suppose, when you think about it, he could have told the grumbling Pharisees what he told Nicodemus, because Nicodemus was a Pharisee. If it worked with him, why not with them? And of course, it'd be John 3, 16. But no, Jesus wanted to change these hard hearts against the gospel with real concerns felt by real people. A shepherd and a woman at home. Real life kind of things. Fine. We can all relate to losing things, like, like keys, the craziness when you don't have your smartphone or you lose your wallet. I mean, we could fill a whole sermon up talking about a story like that, but that'd be a waste of time. Because in the end, a sheep and a coin are in the end lost, and it's about possessions. 
in the end. It's the drivenness, though, by the shepherd in particular, that stands out as a bit excessive. I mean, the woman, too, at night with a lamp running around the house trying to look for stuff is kind of crazy, too. But the shepherd going to the wilderness, that's big stuff. And when you ask me, 99% really is not really that bad of a deal when you think about it. No one even gets choked up over a 1% loss in the stock market. And we know with science, there's always a 3% margin of error. And yet God's desire here, pointed out by Jesus for saving sinners, is never content for the least or the lost, not a single one. Jesus' heart breaks over the ruin of sinners and, frankly, the snobby distancing put up by the Pharisees. The reason is as God told us in the Old Testament reading, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. This concern for a single person or sheep is what makes Jesus alone the good shepherd. He searches and carries out, carries a helpless sheep back from the wilderness. But here's the key. It comes with a great, great price. Bigger than we can all fathom. Jesus knows his shoulders must bear the weight of sinners beyond just grumbling of a bunch of Pharisees. He knows where it's all going. He must bear them all by way of his cross. And St. Paul, who no longer was a Pharisee, he understood this and he boasted, saying this is a trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, this saying, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. And St. Paul didn't give a care about the crucifixion of Jesus. Many years later, he came to terms with what it meant for him. This task Jesus does freely out of love to return the lost by bearing our sin and being our Savior all with joy despite loss to self. Sinful strain and dangers of death that make you helpless, paralyzed. Well, that's not that big of a deal to your good shepherd who bore all things for you by his cross. Don't forget there was a great paralysis in the crucifixion of Christ that left all stunned in some way, shape, or form. But not Jesus. He could pray for us, die for us, and forgive us, all in the midst of his own bloody death and suffering. You see, God's joy is caring the sheep. And so you matter to God. Today, you matter. And as the word shows our lostness, it also calls out with the Father's love to lean on Christ and listen to him. Learn from him. He's not done caring for you. God's joy is carrying any to repentant faith 
being a justified friend and sheep of his glorious kingdom. And so the kind of return is to be joy, also for the community. Every one of these parables, and it builds up to the prodigal son one, is about joy over what returns. Salvation is neither a privatized belief system nor a security net built by Pharisees. Sinners were drawing near to hear Jesus and not going off into their selfish ways. They were listening to him, learning from him, trying to understand what he's teaching about their lives that were not so great looking. And likewise, the Pharisees heard in both parables the appeal to friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. And to not rejoice with men meant you were no neighbor or friend, but enemies. Justification for this kind of reception turned to God's kingdom first, not men, of a more heavenly joy, right? than the comfortable ways kept safe by the Pharisees. Luther tells us, the dear angels and heavenly spirit, spirits celebrate with joy and sing a special Te Deum Laudamus. We praise thee, O God, when a poor sinner turns about and repents. And so, with the order of matins today, guess what you get to sing? The Te Deum that ancient hymn of praise, to sing as the sheep and saints of Christ, to give God praise and how he receives us each by grace, but also a congregation to welcome any Jesus brings in repentance. You're going to get in the way of that? Because I'm not getting in the way of you who repent, and neither should you for anyone else who come in great need of forgiveness. And so this leaves no person outside from being in here before Christ's word and sacrament, not a single person. No matter how different, frail, or strange, these persons matter to Jesus who seek all. And frankly, that will change this church. It will change you. It will change me. Because who's bringing them? Christ, who cares for sinners. Repentant sinners do not fit into our congregational box of comforts. So exchange any grumbling for a welcome with the joy of heaven. Heaven is always having joy over one who repents. Over you, when you can live in that repentance daily by the promise of your baptism. Continue in this cross-shaped love for Jesus is searching out all kinds by the gospel since people truly are lost. They are lost without him. And that truly is a scary thought because they will not find him, but he is finding us all. 9-11 was a hard day of searching and finding to never forget. However, regardless the day, by your baptism, Jesus finds you to be his sheep, wiped clean by his sacrifice. 
Every day our good shepherd is going out with his care, and this joy in heaven exceeds simply the need for people to sit in pews. But over one sinner who repents, pastors take vows to go seek the lost sheep, and they always fail. I just can't do what Jesus does so well. But if he would use me, then by grace he'll use the whole church to welcome all who repent and receive this good news of those who find sinners. So, are you a sinner? And the answer is, you better believe it. You have no good shepherd who looks for you today and forgives you your sins in full. Rejoice, dear Christians. God's zeal is to seek the lost. Good news for you and for anyone. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.